March is here, and it would be madness to miss the awesome, cozy winter weekend special at the Boardwalk Plaza Hotel in Rehoboth Beach. Enjoy a two-night stay, room service dessert, and more. Experience the serenity of the winter ocean from the warmth of your oceanfront suite. You don't have to go far away to get away from it all. Visit BoardwalkPlaza.com and book your winter getaway today. And let's not forget amazing dining at Victoria's Restaurant. Open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week, all year long. Reservations are not necessary, but always welcome. Call 800-33-BEACH or reserve at opentable.com. Thanks to the Boardwalk Plaza for being the Bridge Podcast Network sponsor. Story Jumpers, welcome to another episode of your favorite storytelling podcast. Are you ready to hear a great story? Of course, that's why you're a Story Jumper. Meet Emma, a good little girl who obeys her parents. But one day, Emma's devotion to obey is overcome by selfish desires, and she makes one wrong choice. This one sin opens the door to another, and before little Emma realizes it, she is hiding one wrong decision after another. As we quickly realize in life, our sin does not just hurt ourselves, but everyone around, especially those we love. What will it take for Emma to confess? No matter your age, this beautiful story, The Silver Cup, will leave you encouraged to make godly choices, confess your sins quickly, and keep short sin accounts. See what it takes for Emma to learn her lesson and restore the relationships around her. Enjoy this reading of The Silver Cup by Dr. Mark Hamby. The Silver Cup from the Lamplighter Family Collection of Rare Books, original story by J.B.E., written in 1849, illustrated by Lorraine Larson, rewritten by Mark Hamby and Carrie Keener. The mysterious package arrived at the Herbert home on the morning of Emma's seventh birthday. It was addressed to my dear little Emma from grandmother. Emma carefully opened the box to find the beautiful silver cup, quite heavy and elegantly carved. On it was engraved her name and the date of her birth. Phoebe, the young serving girl who lived with the Herberts, exclaimed, What a wonderful cup! It must be worth a great deal of money. Oh, Emma, said Mother, this is a special gift for you to cherish always. We must take good care of it. She would not allow Emma to use the cup very often, lest she should drop or dent it. Phoebe was a delightful girl who loved children. Emma liked to play near her as she worked, for Phoebe always told interesting stories and taught her many lovely songs. One day, Mrs. Herbert said, Phoebe, I need you to polish all the silver today. You may take everything to the bench outside the kitchen door and work there. I'll help you, Phoebe, said Emma. You never saw a happier pair working together. Emma chattered away the whole time, and Phoebe laughed at everything she said. After a while, they ran out of polish, so Phoebe went inside to get more. There was a very deep well by the bench where they were sitting. The cook had just drawn up some water in the bucket and left it on the little shelf. Standing on her tiptoes, Emma peeked into the bucket. The water looked so cool and sparkling. How lovely it would be to drink from my own silver cup, Emma thought. Surely Mother would allow me to use it if she were here. Glancing around to make sure no one was watching, Emma took her cup and carried it to the well. She could barely reach over the edge as she tried to dip her cup into the bucket of water. Just then she heard Mother calling, Emma, where are you? 
Mother's coming, gasped Emma. In her fright, she dropped the cup. Down, down, down it went, bouncing against the wall with a terrible clatter. Soon Emma heard a heavy splash, and she knew her silver cup was at the bottom of the well. Oh, no, she moaned. What have I done? Just then Phoebe returned, and immediately her eyes fell on the spot where the cup had been. Oh, Emma, where is your silver cup? Did you take it? No, Emma said without thinking. Phoebe ran about searching for the cup. No one had seen it since she had been polishing it on the bench. Phoebe began to cry. Oh, dear, what will Mrs. Herbert think? She paced back and forth and up and down. How could it have disappeared? Don't worry, Phoebe, Emma said as she took her hand. But Phoebe looked frightened. Not knowing what else to say, Emma slipped away to the garden. Mrs. Herbert soon learned that the cup was lost and felt sad. Everyone says they don't know what happened to it, but it couldn't have simply disappeared, she exclaimed to Mr. Herbert. I can't believe anyone in my house would do such a wicked thing as to steal. Why, Betty has cooked for us for ten years, and I'm sure she wouldn't have even taken a pin if it were not her own. No one else was near the silver but Emma and Phoebe, Mr. Herbert said. No one. It's true. Emma insisted she did not touch her cup, and I have never known her to tell a lie, Mother said. I know how much Phoebe admires the cup, yet I have never known a girl more honest and kind than Phoebe. I don't want to believe that she would take it, but I don't know what else to think. This is quite serious, said Mr. Herbert. I think under the circumstances, it would be best if we send Phoebe away. If she did take the cup and refuses to confess, she will set a bad example for Emma, and we will be likely to suspect her if anything else goes missing. Mrs. Herbert called Phoebe in and looked at her sadly. Phoebe, she said, I want to believe that you are telling the truth, but... It appears that you are the only one who could have taken Emma's cup. I cannot keep you in my home when I suspect you of stealing. Please, won't you tell me what you have done with the cup? Phoebe only cried and said, I cannot tell you I have taken it, for that would be a lie. I left it on the bench and was gone only a few moments to get more cleaning polish. I only wish I knew what had happened to the cup. In the meantime, Emma noticed that Phoebe had been gone a great while, and she began to worry. She went to Phoebe's room and knocked, but there was no answer. Then, listening closely, she heard Phoebe crying and called out, Phoebe, Phoebe, won't you please let me come in? I want to see you very much. Slowly, the door opened, and there stood poor Phoebe, with her apron at her eyes, crying as if her heart would break. Her trunk was standing open on the floor, and her clothes were all scattered round. She sank on the floor, her hands trembled, Soon Emma began to cry. What's the matter, Phoebe? Phoebe just shook her head. Oh, my poor mother, she said. Why, Phoebe, is your mother dead? Emma cried. No, but I'm sure she'd rather be dead than to see me sent away for stealing, said Phoebe. When I left home, the last thing she said to me was, Never say a word that is not true. Never take a pin that is not your own. Oh, my poor mother, what will she say? But, Phoebe, surely you're not leaving, Emma said. Your mother is sending me home because she believes I have stolen your silver cup. But I tell you the truth. I do not know any more than you where the cup has gone. Oh, Phoebe, I know you didn't steal it, Emma said. This is all my fault. I will go to mother at once and tell her the truth. I would rather be spanked ever so hard than to have you go away from here. 
Emma darted off to her mother's room. She threw her arms around her neck and cried, Mother, please don't send Phoebe away. I took my silver cup to get a drink and dropped it in the well, and then I was afraid to tell you. Tears filled her mother's eyes. Emma, dear, if you had only come to me, if only you had told me the truth. When we hide our sin, we often hurt the people we love. The most painful part of this whole affair is that my little daughter has hidden her sin and that poor Phoebe has been so unjustly suspected. Oh, mother, my lie has hurt everyone. I'm terribly sorry, Emma sobbed. Emma, said her mother, I'm glad you finally decided to tell the truth, but you must face the consequences for lying. Your father and I will decide what we should do. Yes, mother, Emma whispered. That evening, while the family was gathered at tea, Emma's father took her on his lap. Emma, he said, mother told me all that had happened today. Emma blushed. I'm sorry I lied, father. I hurt a lot of people and my heart hurts too. Father, said her brother Philip, hasn't Emma suffered enough already? Please don't punish her any more. If only she had not lied, said father. Because Emma lied, she must stay home while the rest of us visit grandmother at Willow Grove. Emma fought back the tears. Her brothers begged their father to let Emma go with them. Oh, father, said David, we have looked forward to visiting grandmother all year long, and Emma has talked of nothing else for weeks. We won't enjoy ourselves if she is left at home. Yes, chimed in Philip. Emma is truly sorry. I am sure she will never tell a lie again. Please let her come. We will all promise to be good. Father sat quietly while the children waited. Emma, he said, you have a choice. In the past, you've taken your silver cup to show grandmother how carefully you have kept it. You may stay at home or go to Willow Grove and tell grandmother what happened to your cup. Oh, father, she will be so disappointed, said Emma. Perhaps it would be best if I didn't go. But seeing her brother's disappointment, she knew what she must do. I will go, she said, but it will be very hard to face grandmother. The day finally came for their trip to the country, and they set off with high spirits all but Emma. I don't feel excited at all to see grandmother, she told her brothers. The flowers don't look as bright as I remember, and the birds don't even seem to sing as sweetly as they have done in the past. When they arrived, grandmother was delighted to see them. Come right in and take off your hats, my dears, she said, kissing each one. Quickly now, dinner is ready. As they entered the dining room, what should Emma see? But her own silver cup standing by her plate, almost as smooth and bright as it was the day she first received it. It can't be, Emma exclaimed. How did it get here? She looked up in time to see Philip and David glancing at each other. Why, you rescued my cup. Yes, there was her name, Emma Herbert, and the date of her birth, but there was a line engraved that she had never seen before. It read, Always speak the truth. Emma, said Grandmother, I see you have kept your cup as pretty as ever. I am pleased that you are so careful of it. Softly, Emma answered, Grandmother, I must tell you a story about this cup. Then she told her grandmother the whole sad story. I have felt awfully bad about it ever since, she finished. I ask God to forgive me and to keep me from ever being deceitful again. Dear children, said grandmother, one sin brings sorrow to many hearts. 
Never forget how poor Phoebe suffered and how sad you all felt. Emma herself has been very unhappy, knowing she caused pain to those she loves. Thankfully, the burden now has been lifted. Oh, the happiness of the one whose sin is forgiven, whose offense is covered. Psalm 32. Emma never forgot that day. She grew up to be a woman who loves the truth. She is now married with a little family of her own. In the center of her mantle stands the gift from her grandmother, and she often tells her children the story of the silver cup. Remember what the cup has taught me, she says to them, and take these words to heart. Always speak the truth. I acknowledged my sin to you, and my sin I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and you forgave the sin of my offense, Selah. For this shall every one that is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in the floods of mighty waters they shall not come near. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from anguish. You will surround me with the shouts of deliverance, Selah. I will instruct you and teach you in the way in which you shall go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be muzzled with bit and bridle, lest they come near to you. Many sorrows will be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, loyal love will surround him. Cheer up in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout with triumphant joy, all you who are upright in heart. Psalm 32, verses 5 through 11. The end. Story Jumpers! Wasn't that another exciting adventure from Lamplighter Family Collection of Rare Stories? I really loved seeing how Emma was going to deal with all the consequences of both her lie and losing the silver cup. Well, I've got someone here with me now who's going to tell us a little bit more about the story. Dr. Mark Hamby. How are you, Dr. Mark? I'm doing great, Andrew. Thanks for having me on again. It's always a pleasure to sit down and hear one of your stories and then to get a chance to discuss it. And this one is no different. I really found a lot of interesting things about this story that I wanted to go over with you. You ask and I'll follow. Okay, great. Now, just like with many of the Lamplighter family collection of rare stories, this was an original story told back in like 1849, I think. Yes. So how did you uncover this one? Where did you find it? Well, this story came to us. Actually, we don't know where most of our stories come from. People send us stories from all over the world. You know, they're saving them from their great-grandfather, their great-great-grandfather, something they found in the attic that was laid down as an inheritance. And people find them, read them, and say, this is so life-changing. Or they might find a letter in a book that um, was given to them you know, to be passed down from generation to generation. And Andrew, it's pretty amazing. We pray here at Lamplighter that God will allow us to find um, some of the greatest stories that have ever been written that will allow people to understand his word more clearly, to understand God and his character more clearly and how we're to live our lives. And we, we pray specifically that we'll find books that will align themselves with um, four or five main scriptures. The first one is in Romans chapter four that, um, well, let, let me tell you our worldview here at Lamplighter. Our worldview is very simple. It's based on four main truths. It's that God is good. That's first and foremost. If you cannot believe that wholeheartedly, embrace that courageously, then something's gonna happen uh, down the stream in life because when things get hard, 
Um, we start mm. to question whether God is good. You know, that's the very first thing that Satan, in the form of a serpent, tempted Eve with. You know, does God really have your best interest in mind? Did God really say this? Um, if you if you ate this and went against God's commandment, then you'd become like God. So Satan is always tempting people to think that they're missing out on something and that God doesn't have their best interest in mind. And so that's first and foremost, God is good. And the only way you can actually adopt that as your primary worldview is you you have to experience it. Um, Mm. You have to experience that in the midst of extreme difficulty, you have to hold on to the promises of God and believe that everything works together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And so that's the second part of our worldview is that, number one, God is good. Number two, God works all things together for good. And then number three, that God keeps his promises. And there's 8,767 promises in the Bible, give or take a few hundred. <laughs> and, um, and when you get to know those promises, you know, you start to um, talk to God about them. You know, and um, does God really have our best interest in mind? Is God really with us? I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, be strong and courageous. Um, and do not fear for the Lord thy God is with you, Joshua chapter 1. Um, there, there's so many verses. The Lord God mm-hmm. in Psalm 84, 86. The Lord God is a sun and shield. He gives grace and glory. He'll withhold no good thing from them who walk uprightly. That's an amazing promise. Can you imagine? That's the way our Father is. He will withhold no good thing from them who walk uprightly. You know, I love the, the Psalm 1611. It says, uh, I will make known unto you the path of life. In my presence is fullness of joy, yet my right hand are pleasures forevermore. God God hmm. wants to take pleasure in us. He wants us to take pleasure in him. That's a forgotten theological principle among the Western Church of Christ. You know, if you look at God's relationship with his son, which he also wants with us, that, that relationship is that this is my beloved son. very first thing that God said that's recorded, God the Father, that's recorded in human history, is this is my beloved son. When Jesus was on the earth exhibiting, well, first of all, laying aside his divine, divine, like he could have done anything he wanted to, but he was he laid it aside so that he could experience the fullness of what it meant to be human, mm-hmm. so that he can suffer in all points like we are, yet without sin. So, you know, Jesus... As God on the earth, the very first thing that he and his father, being one, heard was, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, in whom I take pleasure. So that 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 part of the pleasure of God is so extremely important because when you, when you experience working with God in a divine relationship, you, you actually start working and living life in a way that there's this partnership between you and God. And like, I, I, there's times very often that I give God a high five, mm. you know, maybe not literally, you know, right. physically, but, you know, I'm, I'm like, oh, God, that was amazing. Like, you know, we're praying and like, God, this is impossible. I don't know how we're going to get this done. And then, God, I need your help. Nothing I can do without you. And then I don't know how it, it's happened for, you know, what, 40 years now. He just keeps keeps being faithful. So God is good. Yeah. God works all things together for good. God keeps his promises. And God allows suffering to grow our character so we can experience his unfathomable love. That's Romans chapter 
five verses three through five. So, so we're looking for books that are rare and that teach these amazing principles. And uh, we um, found two hundred and seventy-five of them so far. And wow. uh, they're they. They all teach these. I mean, so this is a book now that we're entering into that's teaching one of those principles. This is a girl who is, uh, you know, doing something wrong because she's afraid. She's she's afraid that God doesn't have her best interest in mind if she tells the truth. So she's got to cover her cover up her sin, mm-hmm. and as a result, yeah. other people get hurt. And so she's going to learn a very important lesson. I'll let you ask the next next question, Andrew. Yeah, well, that's a great that's a great worldview to carry. Uh, for your organization and for any of us individually, right? It doesn't have to be yeah. just a group of people who believe that. That's what we can each believe. Um, and mm-hmm. and it's tough sometimes to try to live those things out, especially, you know, um, God working things for good or God keeping his promises. We have a short view sometimes because we experience mm-hmm. life from day to day and it gets tough and we wonder if God is still going to come through with his promises. So it's good to have yep. stories like this that let us live the, a few days or a few weeks or a whole a whole season of someone else's life and watch yeah. God exhibit what he can do through these stories so that when we experience it, we can hold on and we can think, you yep. know what? It's going to happen for me just like it did for the character in this story. You know, it's amazing. It's amazing you say that because that's been my life. I, I am who I am today because of the word of God and the story. The, the books that I read, you know, Charlie Jones said, you'll be the same today as you'll be five years from now, except for the people you meet and the books you read. Mm. And the people I meet are in the books that I read. And, and, and these stories, they literally, I live them out vicariously because I, I seem to, every story that comes my way, I seem to be going through that particular trial at that time. God sends me the right book at the right time in my life. And uh, I, I'm literally going through one of the greatest trials I've ever experienced in my life. Andrew, if I did not believe what I just told you, mm. I would have folded a long time ago. In fact, yeah. Yeah. I believe if I did not wholeheartedly believe, um, it says about Abraham, he was fully persuaded, uh, fully convinced that God would keep his promises. If I wasn't at that point in my life right now, yeah. I could see where I would have created a whole series of excuses mm-hmm. or manipulations or lies to make myself look better than I am. And, uh, you know, a, a board member of mine the other day said, you know, I was, I was explaining what was going on and he said, Mark, it sounds like you're defending yourself. And I'm like, Whoa, he's right. Mm, yeah. so he goes, if, if you, if, if you're, you know, if you're living a godly life, you, you don't have to worry about these things. You commit yourself to him who judges righteously because you, your view of God is that he has your back. And so once we start believing or not believing that God has our back, that's when we start to control and manipulate and dominate other people. Mm-hmm. And that's what leads to lying, which we're going to read in the story. Well, now, the story is called The Silver Cup. And I wondered um, if you, maybe in doing your research into the time period when it was written, or just from what you may know from reading the original story, um, where... Did the beautiful silver cup originally come from? Because it's a little mysterious in the beginning that it's just this gift from Emma's grandmother. But, you know, where did her grandmother get it? Or where where would one of these cups have been originated? Huh, that's a great question. And again, and again, you know, there's some things about these stories that we don't really know 
the identity to, but I, I, I think her grandmother um, either had it made especially for her granddaughter or it's been something that's been passed down from generation to generation. But if you notice, there's an inscription on the cup that's yes. to the little girl. So I, I'm pretty sure the grandmother is making this to leave an impression upon her her granddaughter. You know, you know, here's something interesting. The grandmother gives her this silver cup and tells her to take very good care of it and that um, you know she will come to visit someday and see the cup, hopefully up on the mantle or something. something. When I was eight years mm-hmm. old, I remember an accountant used to come to my parents' house every year and he'd do their taxes. And um, I was very, I was always very intrigued. I sat at the table with them. I was always watching what, what they were doing. I didn't understand it at all, but I, I admired the accountant. He was this tall, gray haired man. And um, he just, there's something about him that I admired. Well, anyways, one day he looked at me, I was eight years old and he handed me a pencil and he said, if you keep this pencil for the year, I'll have a surprise for you next year. Oh, wow. Andrew, I kept that pencil in my drawer. I looked at it every day. I couldn't <laughs> wait for the year to to come about. And when he came to do our taxes the following year, I was there with a smiling face looking at him. And there I handed him the pencil. Okay. I was so excited that I remembered. And then he looked at me and he goes, um, what's that for? <laughs> he totally forgot about it. <laughs> but he had a shorter view of that, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It left an impression in my life for one year. That was it. I was a little, little disappointed. But this little girl has got the same type of thing. Her grandmother's given her something special. She's got to take very good care of it for when her grandmother arrives um, somewhere within the next year. And um, as we've heard from the story. Um, Emma disobeys her mom, and the yeah. the silver cup gets gets scratched, falls down the well. She doesn't think she's ever going to see it again, and um, sadly, oh. she um, she lies. You know, she's kind of going to cover yeah, her sin, and someone's going to get very hurt because of it. I was shocked when the when the cup fell. I mean, that was a great loss in the value of it, but also. For Emma, who got had a gift, a personal gift from her grandmother, it just was such uh, an emotional loss, too. And then just to watch Emma lie so quickly to Phoebe yeah. when she was asked about losing the cup. And you touched on this for a moment when you talked about Saul. But um, why do you think it is that fear can make us react fast and in a wrong way? Well, I think the scripture reveals that Perfect love casts out all fear. Um, there is no fear in love. I was reading in Second Timothy this week that um, this word fear in Second Timothy, that he's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me unpack that a little bit, and I think that'll help us. Uh, first of all, it all comes down to our, our view of God. You know, So if we don't view how much we're loved— by God. Uh, Michael Card once told me, he was here doing a concert, and he said to the whole, the whole congregation, he said, God, God's crazy in love with us. He's so crazy. And I'll never forget this moment. He, he, he looked out at us, and he paused. And then he said, God is so crazy in love with us 
he let his own son die for us. Mm. That's how crazy in love with us he is. And I, I just wept. I got it. It was, it was actually the first time I ever really got the depth of how much God loves us. Yeah. The angels don't understand it. They can't understand it. They're, they're looking into it. and they, they're, it, de- it defies their imagination. That, and it defies my imagination. I, I don't understand why God loves me that much. I don't get it. But the fact that he does love us that much should change the way we view any difficult circumstance in life. Mm. You know, my dad, my dad loved me. Um, he would have done anything for me. He did do anything for me. I don't think I would ever have kept anything from him. So if if we keep something from somebody, it's because we don't trust them. Mm. So, you know, Emma just, she did not have that view of God and how much he loved her cultivated in her young life. And that's the opportunity that parents have when when they're parenting. When a child lies, it might not be the right time, like in the olden days where a parent would wash out their child's mouth with soap or they're going to punish them or take away a privilege. Um, lying may just be the, the indicator that there is something deeper going on here that a child needs to learn that they can trust the parent. Well, for the parents and the kids that did join us for this short story, you've got a whole library full of other stories available to them, right? Sure do. About 275 books from the 16, 17, 1800s. And these are the books that have changed my life. They're filled on the edge of your seat stories. We just finished one called The um, Crown of Success. It's both in book form and audio drama. You know, if you've got teenagers, you got to read um, Hand on the Bridle. If you've got young adults, teenagers, young adults, Ishmael is probably one of our best books. The story of Andrew, if, if you have you read Sir Knight of the Splendid Way? No. That sounds great, Andrew, though. It, it's better than Pilgrim's Progress. Ooh, I have read it's that. In, it's incredible. It's about a knight who wants to see the king. The only way you can see the king is if you keep your armor on. The only way you can keep your armor on is if you have a pure heart. It comes in book form, in audio drama form. Um, Basket of Flowers, it's one of our best sellers. It's about a girl who um, is taught by her father to um, trust God in difficult circumstances. She's falsely accused of stealing something. The penalty is death. Her father teaches her it's better to die for the truth than to live for a lie. For the worst pillow to sleep on, it's a pillow of a guilty conscience. Mm. Jessica's first prayer, amazing. It outsold Alice in Wonderland 10 to 1. Wow. Christy's. Christie's old organ led my 76-year-old dad to Christ four months before he died. Wow. There, and one of the last ones I'll mention, Titus, a comrade of the cross, it will blow you away. You will understand who the two thieves of the cross were, why both thieves curse Christ, but something changes. One thief repents and says, Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. You'll find out why the one thief repents. It's based on some historical evidence. Hmm. It is incredible. It changes what takes your view of the cross will never be the same. Comes in book and audio drama form. There's so many stories. Well, it's wonderful. I'm so glad that you were able to join us again to share another great story. I'm glad that we were able to discuss and unpack it a little more to see what was really happening under you know, these imaginary characters and the imaginary circumstances, what was really 
going on at the heart issue Mm -hmm. and how we can, you know, apply those to ourselves and uh, with our parents and to our entire family. Thank you so much, Dr. Mark. It was great to have you again. Thanks, Andrew. God bless and God bless those that have heard the story and our unpacking of it. Parents, The Silver Cup was an original story by JBE published in 1849. It was discovered and retold by Mark Hamby and Carrie Keener. The illustrated version was decorated beautifully by Lorraine Larson. For over 30 years, Dr. Mark Hamby has been bringing redemptive hope to people who are willing to take off the mask and open their hearts to the life-changing power of the Word of God. Mark is the founder and president of Lamp Lighter Ministries, whose mission is to make ready a people prepared for the Lord by building Christ-like character one story at a time. Mark has led Lamplighter to publish over 250 riveting stories from the 17th to 19th century. They've produced over 30 world-class audio dramas heard by millions across 34 countries. You can learn more about Dr. Mark Hamby and Lamplighter Ministries and check out their entire library of dramatized audiobooks when you visit their website at lamplighter.net.